It's not supposed to be 90 degrees every single day, but it is. Welcome to summer, right? It feels like it's been summer already for a month as we are in the hottest June on record here in Minnesota and in Wisconsin. And, and in fact, we had to call in our HVAC crew because we had to get our, our air conditioning looked at. We had to get a, our, our air filtration system looked at. And you know what they found? Hey, let's build it with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. They found that we are not very efficient people. And I don't know why. I mean, I talk with Andy here all the time. And, and <laughs> Andy, but they came in, they looked at our, our air filtration unit. And he's like, well, look, we just dusted this whole thing out last year, which we did. We had them over and they did the ducts and they did the mm-hmm. whole cleaning. And already this fan is filled with dust. And I, I promise you, I have it on my phone to change the filter every single month on the button. So I have a reminder but they just said, we, look, we don't even have that you know, type of answer for you. It's just that sometimes a unit doesn't work perfectly. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. that makes me feel good. But that's where we're at. But he did look at the air conditioning unit as well. Everything's going uh, just fine there. Except when I get my bill every month, Andy, I know that we are not great at being energy efficient. So um, can you give me, do you think you could do this? Our top three biggest summer energy wasters in a home. Well, when, for, for me, when, when I'm trying to figure out how to lower a home's energy cost, I look at what consumes the most. You have to start with your heating and cooling. That's still going to be 50% of our energy cost of our home is going to be on heating and cooling. So what can you do to make your house more efficient to cool? And for, for us, the number one that we're, thing that we're going to see is dirty air conditioning units or very old inefficient air conditioning units or duct work that it has to force the air through. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a, a little holiday weekend as a family. We rented a house down by La Crosse on the Mississippi River. And it was, it was, it was hot, 95 degrees. This little air conditioning unit was, was pumping out. And I went and I tried to find it. And then the homeowners had it like buried behind a fence. And there was literally a garden of poison ivy, itchweed stuff to try to get through (laughs) to get to it, which, which I did. And I had my Milwaukee backpack vacuum because I could see from a window the intake was completely clogged on this thing. And that's why it wasn't keeping up or was having a harder time keeping up so much so that there was getting condensation on the actual piping itself was starting to freeze. So we turned everything off, let everything unfreeze, unclogged it. And lo and behold, we never had to worry about a warm house the rest of the weekend. So I just wondered how much extra was that machine having to work those three weeks for a half hour job of maintaining your system, making sure it's clean. Those fans that you talked about, you know how many times things get dropped on an air conditioner and if a blade gets bent a little bit or you got a lot of dust on it, that machine has to work harder. It's going to consume more energy than it needs to. Um, so much so where you can start to lose your efficiency by five or 10 points. So when, when, when you look at that, what that means is 90%, say 95% of the fuel it's actually burning is burning efficiently. And the lower that number gets, the, the more expensive it's going to be to put fuel in that system. So if all of a sudden you're down to 80% efficiency, it means 20% of all of the fuel you're buying for your house isn't getting used to cool or heat your home at all. So just, just keep that in mind. Start there and then, you know, you start looking at other places. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, for us, we had to clean out that air filtration uh, system again, again, the second time mm -hmm. in 15 months. Um, but on top of that, we did have a new uh, filter system put in because it obviously wasn't working the way it was intended to. So that is hopefully going to make us uh, more efficient yeah. and save money on the back end there. I also went out to the air conditioning unit. It was not through poison ivy, um, which before I get to the end of the story, by the way, uh, I grew up in the woods. Did, so have you had poison ivy before in your life? You know, my wife yells at me all the time. I look at itchweed, um, which actually has a, there's an actual term for it. And I call that poison ivy. It wasn't real poison ivy. It was itchweed. So, but I have had poison ivy and poison oak before. Not fun. Yeah. Like, did you break out in the whole thing? Yes. Yes. So yeah, this, this stuff, what is it called? The stinging nettle. Sorry. I always look at stinging nettle as poison ivy and it wasn't, it was, it was actually stinging nettle and I did, you know, it touched it. It does, it does irritate you, but not like when I had poison ivy as, as a youth where uh, it looked like you had chicken pox everywhere. Yeah. So I grew up in the, you know, I grew up in the country and I grew up in the woods. I never had poison ivy somehow. My sister got it. Um, I, of course, famously have never had a mosquito bite either. I let them bite me and then I still don't break out. So I don't know. Maybe it's my skin or something. It could be. I know it has something to do with an, an immune response. You just might be uh, super Corey when it comes to woodsmanship. <laughs> yeah, I'm lucky. But, I, you know, for the most of my life, I've stayed out of the woods. Um, <laughs> you can believe that. <laughs> so that's our number one. Number two, uh, this is our top three biggest summer energy wasters in a home. That was number one. What's number two, Andy? Um, number two is going to be any type of air infiltration that, that you have on your house. Still, to this day, anytime I'm doing an energy audit on somebody's houses, and if we do a blower door test, they are wildly surprised at the amount of air some doors or a window or an attic access lets in. So if, if your house isn't built tight enough, and, and, and nowadays we're building houses almost too tight, depending on, on, on what expert you talk to, but if your house isn't tight enough, your air conditioning unit might be having to turn over your, your, the air in your house one to two, maybe three times more than it would have to should you have a properly sealed house. So just think about that. Even twice, that's double the amount of work your air conditioner has to put in because that's how much air is coming in your house. Mm -hmm. cheap windows okay yeah so yes. number one sure. an inefficient air conditioner number two cheap windows um and what would be number three then like a, a big summer energy waster led lights everyone knows what those can do for your energy so but i'm thinking so maybe a little bit outside the box believe it or not leaving all of our electronics plugged in all the time and the chargers plugged in all of the time is starting to really weigh on families energy use. So if, if I'm just going to take my family, for example, I have three children, all of them are back home from college right now and we're loving life. Everyone's there. But I also see in my electricity bill go up and up and up and up and up. Yes, more people are using everything, but every kid has an iPad, every kid has a phone, every kid has mm -hmm. a battery, every kid has uh, a laptop or a regular computer. All those things are getting charged or just plugged in all the time. So we've taken to this route. As you see, this is what's powering my podcast here today. It's our Milwaukee charger. This battery, you charge it, and then you can take it off a charger and then charge all of your equipment wherever you go, whatever you need, just like any extra battery, which I think might be a more efficient way in charging all of our devices. Instead of leaving the three devices that you're not using right now plugged in, 
and always plugged in, and then the one device that, that you're using on yourself. Just a thought, we went back and forth on this. We all know we're using this stuff more and more. Yes, LED light bulbs, 75% less energy than, than other light bulbs. Well, those are all things that, that most people know nowadays. So I just, it made me think, mainly because I'm wondering what is going on here? Like 120 bucks more a month with these kids home. Right. Yeah. And this could maybe allow people to to understand that, oh, okay, this could be an option, a positive solution for for our home because we have kids, we have things plugged in every single place. Um, one thing that I was wondering about too is like how warm or cold to keep the house like with that matter. And in fact, actually jumping off that point too, um, the, the humidity. And I'm wondering if you have any answers on that. Hey, here's what's trending. It definitely plays a factor in, in how much energy you're going to cost and how you set your thermostat. When, when, when I talk about the HVAC unit being your, your HVAC system being the number one energy use thing in your house, 50% of all energy consumed. And, and that's where you should start. I maybe I wasn't clear the thermostat the filtration system how it runs the fan all of that stuff when done properly can really save you a lot of money I lumping them all into one but but having your thermostat keep the house warmer than when you are home when during when you're during the cooling season just like you would in the wintertime as we leave that, that the furnace doesn't kick on when we're home. It keeps it, you know, at a nice 68 to 72 degrees, depending on how you set it. So I know you've heard this already this summer. You know, it's not so much the heat, it's the humidity. <laughs> that's a, that's our go-to <laughs> saying here in, in Minnesota yeah. and Wisconsin. So like for your house though, when it's this hot outside and it's, you know, consistently in the 80s, even the mm-hmm. 90s, you know, what, what's the appropriate level of humidity in your house during the summer? Like what, what, what level are we looking at? You're going to be safe if you can keep it in that range of 30 to 50%. And this is something that you're going to want to check in in, in a lot of houses. And, and why it's really important that people run their bath fans in the summertime when, when they're taking showers. Because we're, we're not talking about condensation causing frost or condensation, you know, that, that, we, that we see in the wintertime. We're talking about moisture that's going to lead to mold. I mean, every ingredient for mold to grow here, it, it can happen when, when, those, when those humidity levels get off the charts. So 30 to 50%, Corey, is where I'm going to keep it. And I'm probably going to check more levels of my home or have humidistats in more levels of my home in the summertime than really what I worry about in the wintertime. In the wintertime, it's a, it's a different deal depending on what the temperature is. But summertime, you can pretty much set it at one setting and be safe as long as it's in that 30 to 50. Okay, so 30 to 50 now you get mold in your house. Like, what do you do if you, if you get mold? Because that that can have uh, major implications not only on your house but also your health. I mean, you, mold can lead to a number of different uh, respiratory issues. I remember we had mold in my house when I came back from college, actually, um, from uh, my freshman year at uh, Yale, the Midwest, at Concordia College in Moorhead. But uh, <laughs> I came back and we had mold, and I remember just not understanding what it was. Right, like we didn't know it was mold. We didn't know it was happening. But I did not feel right all summer long. I just felt like I kind of had these ongoing headaches or whatever. I finally went to a doctor and they they said, something must be up. You might have some mold in your house. And, and finally, we were able to get it taken care of. But if you do have mold, what do you do? You know, there's there's remediation specialists that, that you can work with. But if it's, it's, just, it's a small area and it can be treated. 
It might not, if it's just a small area or if it's surface mold, those can be treated. The mold that gets inside your walls and starts growing on the wood and that's undetected until you start to have health issues. If you're noticing respiratory issues and health issues from it, there's really only one option. It's get a remediation specialist involved and they're going to come in and you might end up tearing out walls to get some of the mold removed. Some of the, I've seen projects go over $100,000 to deal with water damage and mold issues before. So it's, it's something that needs to be addressed something you should pay attention to and that's why uh, I one of the things I always tell first-time homeowners and I talk to people about that are getting their first house is dehumidification systems and it seems to be overlooked and not talked about nearly enough especially where we are you know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about uh, caulking and we actually got another question about that Andy hey here's health all right so this question comes from a listener and it's on caulk. We had this uh, a couple of episodes ago. Um, hey, Corey and Andy, um, you guys are talking about caulk on this episode. Um, I'm just not quite sure what to use for my project. I know you're saying it's not a one size fit, fits all thing. Um, so, you know, can you help distinguish that a little bit better for me? And this one comes from Ross. Yeah, you know, um, I can I can give you the three main types of, of caulking that you're going to want to use. There's caulking that's made specifically for the bathroom, tub and tile caulking. Um, uh, the brand I prefer is always going to be Loctite or anything made by Hinkle. Uh, there's a lot of things that falls under their roof, Loctite and OSI quad caulking, my favorite exterior caulking. One, it comes in a wide variety of colors, but two, it has the UV protectant that it needs so it doesn't shrink, crack, things of that nature. When, for me, when I'm talking about applying the caulking, one, you gotta pick the right one. Two, you wanna use the best caulking available. And believe it or not, we'll test 15, 16 different types for the exterior of the home on on a yearly basis. Uh, So OSI quad caulking on the exterior, Uh, There's a lot of different caulking you can use on the inside. If it's going to come into contact with moisture around your kitchen or bathroom, use the tub and tile caulking. Again, comes in a wide variety of colors. When it comes to your roof, OSI makes another caulk called Black Magic that was designed and is made with some tar. So it will actually start to level out and will last a long time on your roof. So. It uh, is made specifically for going on shingles and and to work with that product. Those are the three that we'll we'll use on a on a regular basis. Okay, so um, on the colors, I, I didn't realize they come in different colors. I mean, just I've only ever really seen white or maybe a light gray, I suppose. But what do they have? All different colors, and, and why is that? Is that to to match the house? Yeah, you know, the last thing you know you want to do say we have a you know thirty forty fifty thousand dollars siding project. You don't want the caulking to be the thing that sticks out on the house. And yeah. and so the more you can get that to blend in, the, the better off you're going to be. And believe it or not, it's one of those skills that it's one of the last thing that we let people do on a job site because it can make or break how the job goes or how the job looks, how the job reacts to water. So caulking is is a skill that 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 most people don't have right off the gate. Take some practice. Yeah. Well, I look at siding now and we have new houses and new construction popping up all over our area. And uh, this is kind of on a, on a tangent, but I'm seeing a lot of black siding now, a lot of black siding, mm-hmm. a lot of darks. And, and then even like the mi- mixing and matching of black and white. And um, I find it attractive. I really like that kind of color. Scheme, Me too. But, but it, um, it seems like that's kind of in the last couple of years, that's kind of the in vogue color. 
Yes, yes, the dark colors, especially the dark grays and blacks and charcoals have uh, really started to pop off. And it's not uncommon on a siding project nowadays, Corey, that we're going to have five, six different types of materials going on the exterior of the house. Mm. So people are mixing and matching and, and really getting creative. So it's it's been a lot of fun. And our good friends at OSI, they, they, they match whatever caulking we need. That's awesome. Hey, uh, one more thing. Hey, here's a pointer. There's a little uh, uh, tip from the pros on roofing repairs. So this is this is kind of neat. You get up there, you have a shingle that's off or a crack in something or some flashing. And we go up there all the time. We see people just blobs of caulking, blobs of caulking. And that caulking gets two years, maybe the sun's going to get to it and start to make it peel. So here's what we do anytime we're going to have exposed caulking on on the roof. We're going to take a shingle up there with us and a partial shingle. We're going to take two chunks. After we put down the caulking, we're going to rub that shingle over the top of the caulking. What that is going to do is granules are going to fall onto the caulking and give it a nice granule layer over the entire caulking. The granules are what reflects the UV light from the shingles. That's what makes your shingles last as long as they actually do. Don't take the granules off your shingles to put in your caulking. You want to use a, a different one or grab some out of the gutters. But our experience tells us that this will make the caulking last as long as the roofing. Hmm. How did you, like, I always wonder, like, is that something brand new or how did you figure that out to do that? You know, why it should be done that way? You know, it's, it's one of those things. I think the first time I saw it was 10, 12 years ago. Um, a, you know, a, a longtime roofer was repairing a roof and, and was doing that. And it just made a lot of sense to me. So it, when stuff like that, you see it, you start to repeat it and steal those ideas. And now it's kind of a standard practice for us anyways. Yeah. I love it. Andy, great job. Thanks. Thank you. 